Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Third and Long, a weekly podcast about the National Football League, keeping you up to date on professional football. Now, here are your hosts, Aaron Hook and Nick Carlson. RowanRadio.com, Channel 2. This is the Third and Long Football Podcast here on a Tuesday, the second Tuesday of the month, here in the month of November. We are already moving into the back half of the NFL season. Believe it or not, it seems like the uh, season is always uh, fast-paced and you know, it gets by us, Nick, but to already be in Week 10 is, is pretty wild. Um, it just feels like year after year it, it pits up and goes by quicker. But we've uh, got a lot of exciting stuff to get to today. Had uh, a pretty surprising firing um, yesterday. And what came of uh, the aftermath of that was even more interesting. So we'll get into that. And then uh, we're going to give out our midseason awards today. Um, again, as we move into week 10 here, we're going to go over who we would uh, vote for for each award if the season were to end today. So uh, we'll have that. And then obviously overreaction Tuesday as always. And uh, we'll also, of course, recap some of the games from this past week and look ahead to some of the Week 10 matchups as well. I'm your host, Aaron Hook, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Carlson, who had a a busy weekend covering Rowan Sports, a great weekend for Profs Athletics this weekend. And so uh, excited to be back here, Nick, talking uh, some some football with you here on uh, a Tuesday. And obviously last week it was pretty crazy with – you know, covering the the deadline live, um, kind of excited now to get to a point where we know where everyone is, we know where all the pieces have fallen, and we can get back into that rhythm of you know dissecting what happens uh, throughout the week. I think what's funny is we're always so excited for the trade deadline, and it's not like the NBA or the MLB because it's just like a fire sale constantly. In the NFL, I mean, who was the biggest name that really got traded? Bradley Chubb, and then besides him, Chase Claypool was not even that big of a name, so. I feel like there's so much excitement over it, but just like you said, now that the pieces have fallen, we kind of know where everyone is. The power rankings can be finalized. It's just going to come down to injuries and kind of how the rest of the season plays out, but we know who the top teams are, who the bottom teams are, and there's a lot of teams right now in that middle, especially in the NFC. I think, you know, with the trade deadline, it's usually so dormant um, that people really got fired up over the trade deadline this year because you had... Again, the the bigger names uh, get moved. Um, you know, usually it's it's deals that are kind of for complementary pieces or, or you know middle round draft pits or, or late round draft pits. But this year we had guys going for first round pits, second round pits, big names uh, across the board. We're, we're getting flipped here, intra division trades as well to make things kind of spicy. Well, do you think there was a team that lost the NFL trade deadline? Oh, one hundred percent the Packers. Okay, 100%. I was going to say the Panthers was one, I think, that came out and, and lost. I th- I, yeah, I would agree with that. Because, I mean, they pass up on two firsts for Brian Burns, a first for DJ Moore. You could have had three first-round picks right there for two guys. Yeah, and, you know, obviously they're going to be in a position or hoping that they're going to be in a position to, to go out and draft a quarterback because, you know, we'll get into the Panthers a little bit. But the way P.J. Walker looked this week, you know, it, it's, it's kind of unfortunate to say, but he looked like the P.J. Walker that we kind of – knew uh, before you know he had a nice couple of weeks where he was able to put together performances that 
you know, trying to open your eyes a little bit. You, you take a look at this guy and you say, okay, he's still a relatively young guy. Maybe there's something there. But uh, this week, I think we kind of all figured out that maybe it was a little bit of a fluke. Well, you know who he reminds me of? And we see this story every single year. You see all the broadcasters talk about it. This great story that's coming into the NFL is Taylor Heineke. Every single year. He has a couple good games, plays well, and the next thing you know, everybody's all like, oh my God, this guy's so good. Look at this story. I mean, there's kind of a QB battle taking place in Washington right now because Carson Wentz hasn't proven all that much, and you have Taylor Heineke right behind him doing the same exact thing. So really anything can happen in Washington, but just like you were talking about, a real QB controversy, especially in Carolina, because you have Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and P.J. Walker. Commanders visit the Eagles on Monday night, Nick, in Philadelphia, at the link, in South Philly, just about 20 minutes down the road. I would love to obviously see Carson Wentz be the guy under center there, but I have a gut feeling it's going to be Taylor Heineke. Yeah, it's going to be Taylor Heineke, but like this is just another example. They're going to play the Commanders, and then they're going to go play the Colts with Jeff Saturday as their head coach. And then you're going to play – you're also going to play the, the Packers who are struggling, the Bears. I mean, this is as cupcake as a schedule as you could get. So, I mean, I, I don't hate the Eagles by any means. Look, you know, they have some nice wins over Minnesota, over Dallas. That's about it, though, because everything else was Cooper Rush, mm-hmm. especially when you're dealing with Dallas. Right. I and think the Giants is where it's going to get interesting. They'll get their second shot at Dallas, and, yeah, they've still got two to play um, against the Giants. And so that'll really, I think, kind of be a test to see how good both teams are. But uh, you mentioned Jeff Saturday, and that's uh, going to be a perfect segue here into the breaking news um, that came out yesterday, and that was that uh, the Indianapolis Colts, Jim Ursay, the uh, head of operations there as the majority owner, uh, really kind of runs the show, similar to Jerry Jones down in Dallas. Uh, he has decided to part ways with head coach Frank Wright. He is out, fired, and you know the uh, the former Eagles offensive coordinator is now looking for a job, Nick, and. Obviously, the firing was surprising because, you know, what he's been able to do both, you know, on the defensive side of things where, you know, he had a guy under him like Matt Eberflus, who's now in Chicago as the head man. But what the Colts were able to do, putting together, you know, these awesome defenses over the last few years, but also the inconsistent kind of quarterback play with, you know, Andrew Luck um, retiring early, the shocker there, and you bounce from uh, Philip Rivers to, to Carson Wentz and then Matt Ryan this year. Frank Wright, you know, did a great job of holding everything together. And the Colts, you know, for the last few years here have kind of perennially, I think, interchangeably with the Titans, been the favorite out of the AFC South every year. And so it is a little bit of a surprising move considering this is the real first year in a while that the Colts, you know, just seem like they're not really able to compete. Yeah, it's questionable, especially because of their division. I mean, you look at a team like Jacksonville and Tennessee, I mean, they're a mess right now. Houston's a mess, too. So the Colts can still win the division, and they're a team that struggled, especially a quarterback. But take out the quarterback. Let's say they have a good quarterback. They're a very good team. They have the wide receivers. They have the defense. They have the offensive line. And Frank Reich's done a good job of basically building quarterbacks that have only been there for one year. So... They're one bad year. They're ranked in 27th in offense right now. They've been a very good defensive team. I'm a little shocked that they get rid of them. And by no means has Indianapolis been good this year. They've been horrible. But, I mean, one bad year, I'm confused why you get rid of Frank Reich. Frank Reich with the Colts over four and a half years, 41-35-1, his record there. That includes playoff uh, games as well. 
And so, you know, you looked at the Colts this year, Nick, and obviously a couple weeks ago at this point, they uh, made a, another pretty significant change, um, sending Matt Ryan to the bench seemingly indefinitely and uh, going with the kid out of Texas, um, who they drafted a couple of years ago, uh, Sam Ellinger. And, you know, they're turning to him in, in the wake of all this, Nick, in the wake of this kind of like disaster, um, you know, of a season for the Colts. And it's like, you know, sure, you're going to bring in Jeff Saturday and and see what he's like and kind of see what his philosophy is like. And, you know, obviously the crazy thing that has come out of all of this, Nick, is that he's never coached at the college or professional level. Um, he's been coaching high school. And so, you know, like, it, this is unprecedented. Uh, this is the first time, I think, probably ever in the history of the league that a guy with no level of experience at either the college ranks or professionally has, has just gotten a job that quick. I mean, even at all. I think this, I, I think that Jeff Saturday is going to kind of decide how coaching is going to, at least coaching decisions are going to go down for the next 30 years. Because if he has a fantastic tenure as a coach, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tom Brady as a coach straight out of retirement, like straight out of when he decides to retire. I, I think that as a decision to kind of go with him, I mean, he has no coaching experience, no college, no professional. High school is a completely different game than than uh, NFL. It moves a lot faster. There's a lot more moving pieces. I think Jeff Saturday is more of just kind of like a motivation guy rather than calling the plays and doing everything because he only has, what, five days to prepare for the Raiders who are not a good team. But at the same time, any NFL team is a very good team. It's like what Urban Meyer says. It's like playing Alabama every single week. So you're going to play good teams. I I think it's so head-scratching. Uh, the NFL world's confused, too. I mean, I have no idea why they really did this, especially because I don't know if they're going to rebuild or retool or what. Jeff Saturday, a Colts Hall of Famer, played for the Colts from 1999 up until 2011, two-time All-Pro, three-time, or what's like actually? five-time. Five-time Pro Bowler, sorry. And also won that title with uh, Peyton Manning, obviously, in uh, 2007, I believe, right? 2006. Uh, 2007 against the Bears. Gotcha. Okay. So. And then the Giants were the year. And then after. they lost to the Saints. Right. Uh, yeah. And then and I think that was his fi- final year. Right. So, uh, incredible career. Um, Jeff Saturday, one of the, um, the better centers of probably the last 20 or 25 years. Um, so, phenomenal player. And. You know, now he gets a chance, Nick. Look, he, he coached three years at the high school ranks, uh, Hebron Christian. And it, it, this has got to be like, again, it's just completely unprecedented. So it's like, and, you know, Jim Ursay, he said he prefers that he has no experience, which is like, it's almost like at that point you, you're, you're wondering if he's just using reverse psychology to try <laughs> and, like, you know, kind of like get a justification for all this because it's like, that doesn't sound See, right. See, if you're a Indianapolis Colts fan, are you upset over this idea? Because let's say, so as a Jet fan, let's just say, I'm trying. Let's say Chad Pennington becomes the the head coach of the Jets. Are you a little confused, especially since he's had no coaching? Well, experience? okay. I mean, like, are we pretending that the sits in three thing is not like? Let's say the Jets are as bad as the Colts. Yeah, you're yeah. Asking me. And yeah. They got rid of Salah and they brought in. Yeah, they brought Chad in Chad Pennington. Pennington. Yeah. It would be it would be confusing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, but you know, I, I think the question that kind of comes out of all this is like, can he be a legitimate 
die to move them forward? Or is he just is he just a guy who maybe can, I don't know, maybe not, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe he can, like, somehow make it look not as bad as it really is. Well, do you think that there's a plan? Like, are they that's what I'm, are they know, thinking that's, that they're going to win this season? That's what I'm getting at. Well, no, I think for them the season is, is a wash at this point because Ellinger, again, he's a young guy. He's inexperienced. He's going to be shaky out there. He's had a few nice moments, but he's not ready. And so – that's their die as of right now, um, you know. Unless they want to turn back to Matt Ryan, which I don't think they want to do. So honestly, I think this season is is just kind of going to be over with. But at the same time, if they were just going to stick with Saturday for the rest of the season, or you know, maybe he's just a holdover until they can find someone after next season starts or something like that. You know, he's just a placeholder. They could have just kept the interim. They could have just kept the interim head coach. They didn't have to go out and hire. Jeff Saturday, so I think they honestly do have a plan here, which, again, this is, like, one of the weirder things I've ever seen. Um, and so, you know, you look at the Colts right now, they're 1-5-1. and one. Obviously, they have a great running back in Jonathan Taylor, and they've got pieces offensively. You know, they draft Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati. Uh, he's looked pretty good as a rookie, and, you know, you've got Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell's having a nice year. And so the offensive line um, – Probably you know it, it needs some work, but you still have um, one of the better offensive linemen in the league in Quentin Nelson, and then obviously we know the defense is stellar. And so you figure they're not that far away, Nick. They would just obviously need to to figure out the quarterback situation. So for you, is that what they need? They need the quarterback because there's, I mean, they put up zero points against the Jaguars. They put up twelve points against the Broncos, ten points against the Titans, three points against the Patriots, sixteen, seventeen. I mean, this is a team that's just not putting up points, and you could blame the quarterback, but Jonathan Taylor's also been hurt, but this has a good offensive line, so, like, what else is going wrong? I, I think the quarterback has to be the answer because, you know, the the pattern of one-year dies coming in. Again, they've had three different quarterbacks in three different years. You've yeah. got Rivers, um, Wentz, and then Ryan. And none of those guys, you know, at that point in their careers were particularly, you know, all that great there. I mean, you know, obviously Matt Ryan has performed the worst. Carson Wentz statistically, you know, actually had a, a pretty decent season last year. But I'd say Rivers was the best. Rivers got Rivers, them into the playoffs. Yeah, they were they got to that playoff game against Buffalo, and so I think they just need stability there because the rest of the roster is pretty is pretty talented, honestly. And you know, obviously they trade away um, Naheem Hines, so you lose some flexibility and and kind of explosiveness there in the backfield, but. You know, it, it's a loss that I think you're willing to take, Nick. I think it's you know kind of a bullet you're willing to you know swallow because you've got arguably you know a top three running back in the lead in Jonathan Taylor, a guy who can be that bell cow. See, but here's the problem, and it, the, the Colts are in such a tough position because I think we could both agree that they're as close to a win now roster as you could get. The problem is that the, is that they don't have a quarterback. So if you want to trade for a guy like Baker Mayfield, a guy like Sam Darnold who has kind of had his flashes, but if you want a rookie to develop, you can't really do that. You can't draft a Bryce Young because if he's three years away, you might lose Jonathan Taylor. You might lose Michael Pittman, Darius Leonard, Quentin Nelson. There's so many good guys on that roster mm -hmm. that if you get someone to develop and it takes a couple of years, you're going to be missing out on those key years. So I think the Colts have to just keep doing what they're doing. We'll see what direction Jeff Saturday takes this team in. It's going to be fascinating um, on Sunday when they – do take on the Raiders, a team that um, 
has not a lot of problems of their own. I, I don't think we're going to touch much on the Raiders here today. Devontae Adams had a, a monster day on Sunday, um, but they just <laughs> they keep finding ways to lose. So um, we're going to move on to, again, we talked about it earlier, who I thought was um, kind of the, the loser of the trade deadline. And for me, that's got to be the Green Bay Packers because, you know, you look at what the offense looked like on Sunday against the Lions, a defense that has given up. I believe there's they are still giving up the most yards per game in the NFL. It's thirty two points per game that they average against. They they go out there and they look awful. Outside of Alan Lazard, there was nothing in this game for the Packers. I mean, Rodgers at the end of the day, the numbers don't look awful, but I mean the efficiency was is pretty bad. He's twenty three of forty three for two hundred ninety one yards, a touchdown, and he throws three pits and like you just got to scratch your head, Nick. What were they doing at the deadline with all these receivers available? You know, we, we hear reports that they offered this for X receiver. They offered this for guy Z. Like, at what point do we have to kind of acknowledge, like, maybe maybe they just should have offered more. Maybe they should have <laughs> realized what position they're in, right? They're a football team that – has a quarterback that has no connection with any of these young receivers. He likes Lazard. That's about it. Um, and it's a football team that right now is not in a position to compete for the division when you have an aging quarterback making a ton of money and, by the way, has flirted with either requesting a trade or just straight-up retiring to not play for your team, right? It's like, at what point are they just going to say, you know what, maybe there's a reason why we got turned down for basically every other receiver, and we see Chase Claypool get traded to our division rival, the Chicago Bears. Seems like this is personal for you with the Packers. I, well, it's, it's not, but it's just, it is really frustrating, um, and I feel for Packers fans, you know, I've just like been kind of like watching a, a bunch of stuff, and um, there's this one guy uh, on, on YouTube who's kind of stuff I follow, he does a lot of NFL stuff, and he's a Packers guy, and he has been ripping into them, so I, I think I'm just kind of like riding off his coattails a little bit and just kind of bringing to light like how dysfunctional the Packers are right now. And it's just kind of, again, for us, Nick, especially as, you know, we've grown up and watched the NFL, we've only known the Packers as, you know, kind of the superpower in the NFC, perennial contenders with obviously Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it. But this year they just look like a, a complete mess. And they do. And there's so much to blame here. I think you could put blame on Aaron Rodgers, uh, I, definitely, just because he, I don't think he's trying to build the relationships. I think that he has his set guys, and he already sees that this team's not doing well. They're 3-6, and six, but you are in the NFC, so a weaker conference, you can get in at 9-8 and eight or 9-9. Or nine and nine. You can get in at that, at that close range. There's going to be a division winner probably who sneaks in with maybe even a sub-500 record. I mean, Especially at, in the NFC South. Well, yeah, look at the South. The Butcher are uh, in the lead right now at 4-5, and five, tied with the Falcons. So, for me personally, this is just what I think. My question to you would be, Frank Reich already got fired. Matt Rule already got fired. Do you think Matt LaFleur can get fired? Or do you think that this is more of a front office problem? I, I think, you know, I think it is kind of more of a um, a front office issue because we've seen that when Matt LaFleur has the pieces in place and, you know, obviously having a guy like Devontae Adams who is so talented helps because then you don't really need much behind him. But, you know, I think when you see that Rodgers is able to connect with his guys and he's got that chemistry, 
Matt LaFleur knows how to make it go. He knows how to get that guy in the right spot at all times for Rodgers to get it to. And obviously he comes from that San Francisco tree and that McVay tree. And so his run designs are going to be excellent as well. He's done a great job with uh, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon there for Green Bay. And so he's been able to you know, create one of the most high-powered offenses in the NFL over the last few years with Rodgers at the helm. He's one of back-to-back MVPs. And so I don't think it's really on him. Uh, I think it really is on the Packers front office and lack of just awareness of the situation they're in. Like, they're almost treating this as if it's like, you know, they've got no holes to fill, which is definitely, <laughs> definitely not the case, which, you know, is not that hard for us to see. I don't I don't really know why it would be hard for, for them. I, I think that the problem is, is Aaron Rodgers' ego is too big. It's the fact that he has to build these connections. You saw it with Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams is doing fine in the Raiders right now, but... At what point do you kind of say for Aaron Rodgers, like let's say they get DJ Moore and he can't build that connection. That's a first-round pick out the window. So, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is probably the biggest problem right now. He's never going to admit it. No one's going to admit it, especially on that Packers roster. But at the same time, if Rodgers can't get these get these kind of connections with these guys, they're 3-6. and six. They're going to have an offseason that could be something crazy. Yeah, well, you know, I think Rodgers has always kind of had – a learning curve with getting on the same page as some of the younger guys who um, have come in over the years. I mean, you look at maybe a guy like Jordy Nelson, who, you know, when you look at his career arc, his first three years in the NFL, he doesn't even surpass a 1,000 yards total. And then in year four, as a 26-year-old, goes for 1,200 yards and 15 touchdowns, right? And then, you know, I, I think probably another good – example here uh, I'm going to pull his numbers up as we speak is Randall Cobb because he was kind of another late bloomer um, and so uh, it takes some time for Rodgers to get accustomed to these guys and I think they realize that they're they're going to have talent there you know with Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson and um, you know some of the other younger guys I mean Lazard is still pretty um, young and well, so what do you think realistically let's say Rodgers is completely upset and he wants out of Green Bay. And he and he says, I'll go play for another team. What do you think realistically at the age of he'll be 39 at, at the time that free agency starts, what do you think you could get for him? Or what do you that's, think the Packers would be willing to that's, take? Cause like, that's really a great question. I, I mean, you know, I'm just trying to like think of an example to like compare it to. I guess you looked at, at, at Russell Wilson, but he's... He's 33. He's, he's four or five years younger than Rodgers at this point. And like so, I would take a first... That's about it. Yeah, Maybe if I, I was the Colts. I think just because of, of the pedigree of Rodgers, a first is probably going to be the baseline. Um, yeah, maybe like the first and a second or, or two seconds or something like that. Um, and maybe maybe a player or two as well. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see here with the Packers, but I think we can wholeheartedly agree that to this point, uh, they've been one of the biggest disappointments in the NFL. Uh, we're going to get to the Bucks a little bit later and talk about them as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Packers have, have been, uh, pretty dismal so far and it's not looking too bright out there in Green Bay, you know, weather-wise Nick, Seattle is uh, usually a city that has a lot of rain and it's all gloomy and stuff like that. But Seattle Seahawks right now, the, the horizon is bright. They are looking awesome. One of the better teams in the NFC at six and three after they knocked off the Cardinals on Sunday. They've got probably the best passing attack outside of Buffalo or Kansas City in the NFL right now. I mean, Geno Smith 
the connection he's got with Metcalf and Lockett is something special. And the development of Geno Smith as well, coming into the year with the question marks tagged on him, Nick. For him to step up and be performing this way, it's a phenomenal story. And Pete Carroll has proven that, you know, he I, I think he has really been kind of underrated as a coach, especially these last few years when the Seahawks have gone through some up, ups and downs. I think he's kind of reminded everyone everyone this year, you know, that he is really a, a brilliant coach when it comes to developing uh, quarterbacks, especially a guy like Gino who does have similar traits to Russell Wilson in that, you know, again, they like to extend plays, play out of structure and make things happen. And he's allowing Gino to, to be himself, and it's obviously paying off. I think realistically, and I was doing this when I was coming up with the overreaction Tuesdays, I think outside of the Eagles, I think that the Eagles are the clear-cut number one NFC team. I think the Seahawks are the second best team in the NFC. I, if they played the Vikings, it would be a close game. But, I mean, just looking at their stats, you talked about it with their passing attack. Uh, they're number 10 in rushing. Uh, they, they average 133 yards per game, and that's on the legs of Kenneth Walker. Passing yards a game, they're 13th. They average 226 passing yards a game. You have Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Their defense has been incredible so far. And Pete Carroll is an old, veteran, experienced coach. So this Seahawks team, I, I, I don't think the Bucks could beat them. The Packers couldn't beat them. Well, it's a team. I, the Rams couldn't beat them. It's a team that scores. They're fourth in the lead in scoring, just under 27 a game. The Packers and Bucks don't score. Those teams don't score. Is there any team who you think, besides maybe the Vikings could, and especially the Eagles? I would say the Eagles. I, I, did. I, I've been throwing out San Fran as, oh, I forgot about as San kind Fran. of a, a sleeper team. I think it would be a very interesting matchup. I think I'd honestly maybe even give Seattle the upper hand over them, though. I think I think on Mi- San Fran. I think Minnesota. I think I think Minnesota, Dallas, and the Eagles are are, are kind of the top three for me. But I think I think the Seahawks are very good, and I mean in a in a obviously you know one game anything can happen. I think they're good enough to where if they're clicking, it might be too much for uh, a Dallas pass rush because Geno again can get out of the pocket and make things happen. He's not going to be a sitting duck back there. And it's funny because Geno Smith came from so many different teams, what, the Giants, the Jets. He's kind of sat behind so many guys, and everything is all paying off. And he has good weapons. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Noah Fant, and Kenneth Walker's been very good too. I, I really don't know if, if there's a team that could really stop them. The Eagles could definitely stop them. Vikings, it would just be an offensive slugfest. I, I could see Dallas maybe not being able to overcome them, but... The 49ers, I do think, that I've completely forgot about them. I think that they're a dark horse, especially mm-hmm. because McCaffrey has completely changed that offense. Right, yeah. You know, they've got Tampa Bay this week, and that's one of the um, international series games. This is going to be in Munich, Germany. Um, it's a 9.30 kickoff, just like the uh, the London in games. In the morning? 9.30 in the morning, just like um, when they play over in London. So, going to make for a very interesting matchup, Seahawks and Bucks. I mean, the Bucks offense just continues to reel uh, against the Rams. They end up winning 16 to 13 because Tom Brady has, you know, that fantastic um, touchdown drive at the end of the game. And so, I mean, th- this is a matchup of two bad teams anyway, which is crazy because a year ago these were like the top two teams in the NFC. Well, you want to hear a crazy stat? Is that I pulled up the offensive stats for all the NFL teams. Do you know who the bottom two teams are in? In the NFL, They're probably the Packers and the Bucks, or the Packers and Rams, or Bucks and Rams, or some combination. Packers are fourteenth. 
So oh, okay. it's not them. It's the Rams and the Titans. Titans are last, and they're five and three. They average two hundred and seventy-eight yards a game. Wow. And they're wow. five and three. It's That's, absolutely crazy. They probably average what though, like one hundred fifty rushing yards a game, something like that. One hundred forty-two. So they're averaging one hundred and twenty passing yards a game. Yeah, I mean, you saw that on on Sunday night um, against the Chiefs. I mean. They were giving the ball to Henry every play, and Malik Willis was looking to run pretty much every time he got out of the pocket there. They ended up making it a pretty close game. Malik Willis actually played very well, uh, but Patrick Mahomes is is just too tough to beat when the game is on the line. He came up clutch with that rushing touchdown um, to tie it up, and then they end up getting the two-point conversion after a couple of uh, failed tries, and third time's a charm would work for them. Um, I believe... Did he run it in? I'm not even sure. I, Malik Willis? No, I'm talking about um, Mahomes with the two point conversion. I don't even remember how they got it. Honestly, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I know that there was a penalty to force it to get closer. So right. I think he ran for like a 30 yard touchdown. I yeah. Think. He, well, I remember. Yeah, he ran for the touchdown um, as he was coming towards the near side. He, he kind of stretched the ball out across the plane. But anyway, you know, again with. Both the Bucks and the Packers, it's just been so weird. And the Rams, too. I mean, they just put up 13 points yesterday. Stafford looks like a complete shell of himself. And so, really kind of a theme is teams that were off either the hot starts last year. You know, you look at Arizona. They lose again to the Seahawks. Um, and teams that we don't expect uh, to, to come out and, you know, at this point in the year, either leading their division or competing in the division, i.e. the Giants and Jets. Um, it, it's been kind of a, a head-scratcher of an NFL season, but it's kept it kind of exciting. And I think another guy who right now is on the rise, uh, Justin Fields, has been phenomenal the last three weeks for the Bears. 178 yards on the ground. Um, I mean, just incredible. He looked like Lamar Jackson out there. I mean, really. He And he's bigger and stronger than Lamar, so it's like – how do you tackle that guy in the open field? He looked like something maybe we've never even seen before. Justin Fields, the combination of all that. Here's my problem with these running quarterbacks, especially when you're dealing with a guy like Lamar. Lamar, the furthest that he's made it is the divisional championship, and he wants to get paid $300 million or whatever. He Lamar's proven he can't. Did you watch the, the game yesterday, no. the Saints game? I mean, I don't know if he could throw a spiral, Lamar Jackson. I, I watched at least 30, 30 passes from him. I don't I think he could throw one. I didn't catch any of the game yesterday, unfortunately, but um, if it was that bad, I mean, you know, I, again, I think they've had a little bit of a tougher time scoring as well, but, you know, he's not he's got Mark Andrews, but then outside of that, I don't think they really throw to anybody else besides maybe Rashad Bateman. I think that no one wants to go to the team. That's why. They try to get guys in free agency. Yeah, they trade away Hollywood Brown over the Exactly. So it's like, I, I don't know who you got, especially for the weapons. Justin Fields, yeah, you have Claypool and uh, Darnell Mooney, mm -hmm. but Justin Fields was 17 of 28 for 120 yards. Yeah, he so through the first three or four weeks of the year, he had like... I think the the lowest number of passing attempts, like in X amount of year, like yeah. last decade or something like that. He like they don't throw the ball that often, but again, when he can do that on the ground, I mean, it's it's just absolutely incredible what he did um, on on Sunday uh, to the Dolphins. I mean, he goes for he went for three passing yards. He throws three right touchdowns, and then on fifteen carries, one hundred and seventy eight yards and a touchdown. Um, 
I mean, it, it's just incredible. I, I, it's tough because like, and he's not. He three. His average pass was four and a half yards. It's his fourth week this year, over eighty yards rushing. He's gone for a touchdown in three consecutive weeks, and so, you know, through the air, he's looked a little bit better as well. He had that nice touchdown throw to Mooney in the back corner of the end zone, and so you just hope Nick that if this becomes a real thing, where, you know, he kind of turns into a Lamar guy where it's run first. You hope that, obviously, they can continue to develop his game as a passer because at Ohio State, obviously, you know, he's got great talent around him and all that and, you know, phenomenal coaching as well. But we saw that combination in college. I mean, he had the rocket arm to go along with the athleticism, and you just hope that the Bears can unlock that because when you see a guy from the quarterback spot run for almost 200 yards and just look as electric as he does in the open field, you hope that they can tap into everything there and you know kind of make him a, a complete player. He does, but you need you have running back. I think Khalil Herbert's a fantastic running back. He's he's shown that. David Montgomery's not bad as well. They got to fix the offensive line. That's step number one. That's why Fields runs as much as he does, just because he's constantly under pressure. But you need another receiver. Claypool's all right. Mooney's all right. Komet is all right. So you have three guys who are all right. I wouldn't say. Nikhil Harry and St. Brown or anything special, as long with Dante Pettis. You need more weapons for him. Fields could be good, but, I mean, Aaron, there's five quarterbacks, I guess six, that went out of that draft. You had Davis Mills, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. I mean, is Justin Fields the best guy to come out of that right now? I think it's Cause between, I think, between him and Lawrence, I guess. You don't think Mac? I don't think Matt's all that. all that. I think Lawrence, he went to the playoffs. Though. I think Lawrence. Well, okay, yeah, he did. He played. He played well as a rookie, sure, but I would give Lawrence the edge over him. And honestly, with what Fields has shown this year, I think right now, I think I think I'd rather have Fields. I uh, see, honestly, I, I I just think that the passing stats. And it's aren't not. That's not Pat's bias. I promise. Like, yeah, I was like, you know, Matt Jones, you know, he, great quarterback at Alabama. Thought it was a nice pitch for the Patriots. Played well last year against the Jets as well. He played very, very well. So, you know, I, I've got nothing but, like, you know, I can't do anything but respect him. But this year, I don't think he's played up to snuff. I think the only thing that holds me back is that it was all against very good defenses, against the Patriots, against the Dolphins. So good defenses, and Fields was able to do this. I mean, I don't like Fields. I feel like he's got to become a better passer. I mean, if you're throwing the ball for four and a half yards every time that you throw the ball— I feel like whether it's the scheme or not, I mean, you're going to run into very good teams who are going to know how to beat you. Like, they've beaten Lamar. He's, he can't get past the divisional round. So, I would be nervous if I was a Fields fan. But at the same time, I mean, yeah, he's played well. But that's about it. One more game to talk about from this past weekend. The New York Jets upset the Buffalo Bills as 11-point underdog at home, Nick. The disrespect was crazy, and the Jets shut the haters up. They knocked off the Bills. They are now a half game out of first place. Both them and Miami are now sitting through. The Bills still have the AFC, uh, the AFC's East top spot, sorry, uh, at sitting two. Jets have the bye this week, so they get to kind of coast on that win a little bit longer. Um, but I think Zach Wilson in this game um, – did what he had to. Uh, you know, he was efficient. He was smart with the ball. Um, he got it out quick, spread it around. And, you know, I, I mean, 
you don't really have to do much else when, again, the defense just shows up week after week. And obviously Buffalo with their awesome, you know, passing attack, and obviously Josh Allen has been, you know, maybe the MVP favorite this year. They scared me, Nick, coming in. I thought this to be a game where our defense kind of gets exposed a little bit. I had faith in our back line and our pass rush, but, you know, I figured that maybe over the middle Allen would be able to kind of pick us apart a little bit um, and use his legs as well. But the Jets did an awesome job. They shut him down. They picked him off twice, and, you know, he hurts uh, his elbow at the end of the game. And so you, you hope to see him obviously not have to go really through much with that. Hopefully it's not that serious. Um, but, you know, he has the one big play to Diggs early on in the game where he beat Sauce Gardner. For the rest of the day, Diggs was out of the game. I mean, Sauce Gardner is just deleting these opposite, you know, alpha receivers. He takes them away. He does. They – Throw to his side of the field maybe three or four times a game. So, before I get to my big question of the day, uh, I'll, I'll give what I thought about the game. I thought that the Jets played very well. Their running game is phenomenal. Their defense is phenomenal. And just like you said, Sauce Gardner, I mean, he is the real deal, Sauce Gardner. So, they're, they've proven they can play with some of the big teams. I mean, they lost to the Patriots, but you beat a team like the Packers, and don't just beat them, you destroy them. You beat a team like the Dolphins. You beat a team like the Broncos. You beat the Browns. I mean, and then you beat the Bills. I mean, Aaron, as a Jet fan, are the Jets Super Bowl contenders? Because this is this is their schedule for the remainder of the I, season. Because you got to play the Bills again, you got to play the Seahawks, you got to play the Vikings, and you got to play the Dolphins. Again. I cannot believe this is a real question right now. I actually can't wrap my head around that. That I'm actually answering if the Jets are Super Bowl contenders because they're six and three, and they're one game out of the division. I think. At this point, I would say yes. I would say yes. You think Wilson's I holding think, them back? I think I think Wilson holds them back from really reaching that ceiling. If Zach Wilson, I mean, if Zach Wilson was even what Trevor Lawrence is at this point, I think it would kind of even be a definite yes because at you know at least you know that Lawrence can give you that high end quarterback play. At some points, Lawrence, again, he's had his up and downs this year, but he has looked a lot better. He's looked like the guy who is going to be able to develop into what Jacksonville thought he was going to be. Um, looks, like a, looks like a good NFL quarterback this year. If the Jets had a good quarterback, and maybe even if you want to say they had a league average quarterback, <laughs> which Zach Wilson was yesterday, he was fine, he did his job. If Zach Wilson maybe played a little bit better than that every week, Nick, I think the Jets would certainly be Super Bowl contenders. But with the way this defense plays and the swagger they play with, I I, I don't see anyone who they can't match up against and, and slow down here in the AFC. And then, obviously, you've got to hope that Zach Wilson um, you know, can, can deliver a performance like that. But if all that comes together, I think they're good enough. I do. So... The teams right now, so seven versus two, three v five. So if the playoff, if the playoffs started next weekend, they would play the Titans, and that's a tough run defense. That's yep. a tough run game. I think they could beat the Titans, but at the same time, could we be looking at like a Brown scenario where you make the playoffs, you go to like the divisional round, and Wilson is clearly holding you back? I mean, do you go out and trade for some quarterback because Wilson can only take you so far? And he hasn't developed, but like, I if think, you could get Rodgers nah, on this team, I think Wilson's their guy. Unfortunately, that's unfortunately. The, that, well, no, I just well, I say that because I, I'm not saying he can't develop. It's just kind of like the unfortunate reality that the defense is so good this quick 
and it's it's become like a real thing where they're like the defense is carrying them to 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 win in some of these games like legitimately, um, but they can't really move off of Zach Wilson because they believe in him. They think he's the guy, and they're going to give him at least that next year, that third year, to prove himself. Because they did the same thing with Sam Darnold, and they obviously go out and invest a lot of, um, you know, draft capital and 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 money into building this roster around Zach Wilson which they didn't do, by the way, for Sam Darnold under the old regime. So they obviously have even more faith with this general manager and this coach about Zach Wilson. So they're not going to move off of him. But that's why I say unfortunately, because it is the sad reality that they are a good quarterback away from being a true Super Bowl contender. I think I say yes to them being it right now because I think the defense is that good. I just do. I think. So then here's my here's my question. They can Let, match up with almost anybody. That's right. So I was that's what I was going to ask. So we're going to play a little a little mini game here. Okay. So the Jets right now. Let's say that the teams are fully healthy. This is playoffs prime time, eight o'clock. Do the Jets beat the Chiefs? No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think so. I think if it's in if it's on the road. I I don't know I I think I think it's I think if, I, I think if it's on, I, the Chiefs defense is is pretty solid too so I think if it's on the road I think that there's no chance I think if it's in MetLife I think that there's a better chance there but I think the Chiefs have looked very good yeah Wilson I, Wilson for some odd reason actually plays pretty decent on the road um, the Arrowhead's a different animal yeah no that's, that's what I mean I mean Patrick Mahomes at home I don't know if you're being that no matter who you are. I'm not sure what Buffalo um, or another superpower. And so, all right, we'll see where the Jets um, can go at 6-3 and three at this point. I think any Jet fan would obviously have signed up for that if you told them <laughs> that before the year um, in the blink of an eye, uh, as would have I. So half game out of first right now as we enter week 10. They've got the bye this week. All right, we're going to um, move into our midseason awards here. Uh, we've got about 20 minutes left here in the show, so I think we're going to kind of try and split this down the middle. We'll do 10 minutes here of our midseason awards, give them out, quick explanation for who we've got, um, and then we'll move into um, overreaction Thursday, or <laughs> overreaction Tuesday, Tuesday. sorry. Um, and, uh, yeah, for the final 10 minutes or so of the show, we'll uh, kind of give you our hot takes. But, okay, Nick, let's start here. Let's go defensive player of the year. Who do you have right now if the season ended today? Who is your defensive player of the year? So I really I think that there's only one actual option for this one. Uh, if you want to talk about defensive guys who have made a big impact, I think Pat Sertain could be up there uh, along with Nick Bosa. They've been good too, but I think Micah Parsons has this pretty much locked down. Yeah, I would agree. Um I mean, just the the basic numbers are off the charts. He's played eight games. He's defended two passes in coverage. He's forced two fumbles. He's recovered a fumble. But, I mean, the number we're all looking at here, he's hit the quarterback 14 times. He's got nine tackles for loss, and he's got eight sacks. He's also got 36 pressures on the quarterback. Unbelievable. He His win rate on pressures off the edge – uh, is one of the highest in the league. Um, I think, you know, with TJ Watt going down especially, I think for for my money he is the most talented and most productive and most efficient pass rusher in the NFL. And usually 
it is kind of a pass rusher, you know, award. I think it kind of used to be more like a linebacker award, and we've seen defensive bats go out and win it in the past. Um, and so I, I think it's all kind of just coming together. I, I would agree with you, Nick, for, for Micah Parsons to, I, to I, win it. I will say this, too. I didn't notice this, but you know how good Nick Bosa has been this year? Mm-hmm. So he's played seven games, six games, and has eight and a half sacks. Yeah, he's been fantastic. So that's, I mean, that's crazy. Michael Parsons has done a lot more, I guess, statistically. Uh, but Bosa, I mean, I'd say it's probably a two-man race between Bosa and Parsons, although I think Patrick Sertain's been fantastic this year. Would you put Sauce Gardner in that conversation or not yet? Mm, I, I, I would give him like a top six. Mm-hmm. Like I, Sauce has played very well. The problem with him is that no one throws to him. Right. I think that's the thing. So it's so like he doesn't the, have the stat you, poppers. You gotta have interceptions as a, as a corner. I, to win it. I'd say maybe interceptions, passes defended. Right. I mean, you need those those kind of eye popping stats. Like think about it. Let's say that the ball never gets thrown your way. Are you gonna win yeah. defensive player of the year? Yeah, yeah. You might be the best corner in the league. Yeah, but the guy with seven interceptions might. Win. Yeah, like Trayvon Diggs will win it right. every time with that. So. How about comeback player of the year? I think my pick is um, a pretty obvious one for me. But what about you? I think, are we both on the same page of Gino? Wow, Gino. Would he qualify, right? Because I think, is it, it, do you have to be coming back from an injury? I think you just have to be coming back, I think, just from something. Because he was on the bench. So comeback player, I mean, that would be comeback I think, player. I think that would fit the criteria, but I, 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 I was, was going to say Saquon. Saquon, yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. Well, uh, why do you say Saquon? Just well, because, just because, you know, guys, it, it's really, I think Alex Smith, when he won it, that kind of like changed the way the award was looked at. So I think now it's got to be if you're coming off of a, a major injury or you know you've you've had multiple surgeries over the last couple of years or, or you know like in Saquon's case he's just he hasn't played really much over the last two years and you know he's had these major injury you know titles attached to what's been going on with the knee stuff um, and so I think he just kind of fits the criteria better and I also think um that he's just been so productive this year that you know it, it's kind of hard to um look at him and and not see that he's almost like returned to form which is crazy after what he's been through obviously I have a ton of respect for Gino and so it's tough but I think I would give the edge to Saquon yeah, I, I could see Saquon being a, a good option. Gino's up there for me too, but Saquon's been on a tear. If you want to talk about, I, I wouldn't even say comeback player of the year, but I'd say like MVP for the team. I think Saquon's up there. Daniel Jones has done great, but at the same time, I mean, what Saquon's been able to do, I, comeback player of the year, it's definitely a two-man race. I couldn't even think of another. So, All right, how about rookies of the year, offensive rookie of the year? Who do you have? Uh, I I think, I mean, I was gonna say Garrett Garrett Wilson was the first one that came to my mind, but I think I think I love Garrett Wilson. I think I've got I think Olave. I think I've got his former college team yeah. in mind, and Chris Olave. I would give it to him. I think he's had worse quarterback play, and although Wilson has, you know, kind of shown the traits that we all knew, um, he had coming out the flexibility, the crazy catch radius. I think Olave has just been like that explosive deep threat that, I mean, has just been phenomenal. So I think he's played a little bit better than Garrett Wilson, and Wilson's been injured as well throughout the year, and Olave has been banged up also. But I think I would give him a slight edge. You know, again, he has dealt with 
Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill as, as his quarterbacks. I do think that if Damian Pierce started the season, he would be Yeah, the that's a good one. Uh, yeah, he's been awesome the yeah. last couple of weeks here. I mean, he's been only going on about five weeks, just putting at the level that he's at. So, I mean, add another four weeks. I think you got like a three-man race there. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Pierce will come in later. But like right. other than that, what rookie really is Yeah, well, doing I mean, anything? Brees Hall, I think, was on that track. Yeah. And he gets hurt. So. so, how about defensive rookie of the year? I, I know him. I know who I'm going with. Are you going with Sauce Gardner? I gotta go with Sauce. Gotta yeah. go with Sauce. I, I'd say Sauce. Uh, the Seahawks corner, uh, Tariq Woolen. Tariq Woolen, yeah. Yeah, I think been he's been good. Great, too. And Jack Jones from New England has yeah. been sensational. I, as well, I, a lot of good rookie corners. I, I'd say maybe them, too. Jack Jones, I'd. I would leave out of the top three, but I'd yeah. say definitely uh, Wooly and, and Gardner. Mm-hmm. I'd say Gardner bearing an injury is going to have it locked down. So. Yeah. All right. So bring on the one that I want to hear the most. Would that be coach of the year? <laughs> that is. That's, that's the one really? I want. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So here's my thing with coach of the year. I think I, I've had a speech ready for this one. Go ahead. So I think until the Eagles lose a game, it will be Nick Sirianni. If they go 17-0, Sirianni's going to win. If they go 16-1, and I would be absolutely shocked if Brian Dable does not win it. Because, I mean, Brian Dable turned this team around. This team was winning three games a year. Brian Dable comes in, and they're 6-3 and three now. I, I would give it to Dable as well. Would um, you give it to Sirianni if he goes undefeated? If it's if they go undefeated, I think he's going to win it. Yeah. I don't know if he deserves it over Dable because, again, the Eagles' schedule, the talent that they've got, I think a lot of people could win with that roster. Now, that's not to say that he hasn't been a very good coach. Also, Sirianni doesn't call the plays. He doesn't call yeah, offense or defensive plays. Yeah, exactly. So he's kind of that CEO type on the sideline. But you give him credit, he's won the locker room there. He's got the guys playing for him. They're playing fantastic football. So I think... Yeah, he's got a lot to do with their success, obviously, so I think he should be in the running. But, yeah, if they lose a game or two, I think, um, you know, again, if they don't go perfect here, I think Dable really deserves it for the work he's done. You think Sal is up there? I think Sal is probably in the top three. I okay. think I think right. he's probably right behind um, Dable uh, at this point. So that's a pretty interesting race. <laughs> I think Pete Carroll you can throw in there as well. Work uh, he's yeah, done. I forgot about Pete Carroll. Right, so it, it, interesting race. All right. Uh, offensive player of the year. For me, it's Tyree Till. Wow. I think it's, Ty- I, wow. I think, I think it's Tyree Till pretty easily right now. I, I didn't even think of Tyree Till. I see, for me, there's so many. Can you put a quarterback in there, or is that not allowed? Like, Well, I, I, the thing is usually the MVP is the quarterback. Yeah. Award and the Opoi is like kind of like. A receiver, a running back. Jonathan Taylor won it last year. I would put for me, Tyree Kills is a respectable one. I think Chubb is up there. Chubb, okay, um, I can I, respect that. I think Diggs could kind of find his way in there too. Um, Jeff- Jefferson, maybe. He could, although he had like three bad weeks. That was the problem with yeah. him. Like the Eagles shut him down. Right. Um. But I, yeah, I think it could be any one of those guys. That's going to be the tightest race. That yeah, there is. I think I would go Hill just because, like. I mean, the, the numbers he's going to put up this yeah. year. He's already down 1,100 yards, so it's like... Every time I look at a game, it's like 10 receptions, I, 150 he, yards. Every week, him and Waddle are, are just putting up crazy numbers. So you, I would you think Travis Kelsey could be up there? He had four touchdowns in one game. Yeah, so. yeah, I think maybe, maybe. I mean, I just... Joe Mixon had five, so... Yeah. Him in there? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, all right, and uh, the big one, the MVP. Who's your MVP at this point? I think... There's only really one answer just because of – when you talk about, like, consistency, 
it's Jalen Hurts is like on the cusp of being one, but I feel like you got to give it to Mahomes just because it's like it's how he's played. I would have given it to Allen, but uh, Allen's had a bad last yep, two weeks. Yeah, I, I'm in total lockstep with you. I'm going Mahomes. I, I, I think he's been the most consistent. The Chiefs have been the best team so far. Hurts is like right there. Like if Hurts has like a monster week of like yeah a hundred yards, four hundred passing, I'll be like, all right, maybe I'll give it to Hurts. But right. like, and it's I think Mahomes if, right if they go seventeen and zero, that helps his chances a bunch, just because it's it's the perfect season. I I agree. It's it's you kind of get everything right there. Right. Um. But I, I'd give it to Mahomes right now. Still, there's eight weeks left right. to go. Same so deal with the Panthers when when Cam Newton won it. Now he was obviously obviously deserving of it. Um, but I think that certainly helped his case. If the Panthers go 12-4, and four, I don't know if Cam Newton wins the MVP that year. So, uh, so I looked up on ESPN right now, and uh, it's the uh, Bill Barnwell's midseason NFL awards predictions, and he ranked everything. He has 1A, Patrick Mahomes, 1B, Jalen Hurts. Oh, Jalen Hurts? Yeah. Wow, okay. So. All right, and that'll be a tight race too, uh, especially if the Eagles keep winning like we've talked about. All right, we have a bit under 10 minutes here left. We've got about seven, eight minutes Left to go, so we're gonna do some overreaction Tuesdays. Just a couple of them this week. Uh, a couple of these topics we've already touched on, but I'm gonna circle back here. Uh, I think we'll keep it Eagles related. The Eagles have as clear a path to the Super Bowl as you can get with the regular season schedule and the first round bye that they're most likely going to have. And you know they've already proven that they can beat Minnesota and Dallas. I I think I would agree with this. I don't think this is an overreaction, Nick. I think. They've got no one standing in their way that has has played to their level yet, and unless they play down to somebody, I think it should be a clear shot to the Super Bowl out of the NFC for them. I think the only teams that could stop them are the Seahawks, and uh, see the, that Cowboys game with Dak's going to be the big game, mm-hmm. um, especially because it's in AT and T Stadium. But Seahawks and Niners are the only teams that could stop them. The Rams have not looked good. The Bucks no. have not looked good. No. They're, the Cardinals are another team people talked about. They destroyed the Vikings on primetime. There's not a single team, I think, that could really test this Eagles team. Aaron Rodgers will retire at the end of this season. See, that's a tough Is one. Is that an overreaction? <sighs> if they go like 5-12, and 12, I, I could see it happening. I, I think that that would not be an overreaction. Just because I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants to deal with it. I don't think he wants to deal with another year of the front office. Okay, how about this? Will Tom Brady retire at the end of the season? No, I don't think he will. You don't think I, so? I, I don't think so. I think, I think Brady might be gone. I think uh, he can't go out like that, though. I mean, this team's looked horrible so I far. I don't know if he wants to sit it out with all the stuff he's done. I think he realizes that he kind of made a mistake. But I think that Giselle was the one kind of pulling him away. Now that yeah. Giselle's not there, do you think that he says, uh, yeah, I got maybe. a couple more years? That's a good point. Yeah, he's, he's, he's free now, I guess. So I mean, what would happen if Rodgers and Brady both retire? What What does the NFC look like? be crazy. I mean, that's... Something that we've never seen in our lifetime. Especially, so. I mean, who would the quarterback of the Bucks be? Bryce Young, and then yeah. Packers would be C.J. Stroud, yeah, Will Levis, or something. Yeah, I mean, so. that's just Jordan crazy. Love maybe for the Packers. So, see, what what do you think they do with Jordan Love? Because it's like you could get something for him. Well, that's always been the talk. Is like, can you get a, th- I don't know, a third round pick for Jordan Love? He was a first round pick, young kid, has talent. Can you get a third round pick, a fourth yeah. round pick? I mean, anything would help the Packers. You just need slots available to draft receivers or package those pits and trade for one. If I was the Bucks, I would just trade for Jordan Love. Yeah? Yeah. They've got um, 
Kyle Trask waited the wins, but I don't think he's that good. Yeah, so. no, I don't think so either. But you got Jordan Love sitting behind Rodgers. I mean, he's played a couple games. Kyle Trask is Kyle Trask. All right. If the last three weeks have shown us anything, Justin Fields can develop into being a top 10 quarterback in the NFL at some point. Overreaction? <laughs> top, see, top 10 is a little crazy because, like, list, list top 10. Josh Allen, Mahomes, uh, Jalen Hurts. Um, Lamar, Dak Prescott. Do I would Rodgers still. Rodgers, do you think that Justin Fields is better than any of those guys? Well, you're going to lose Brady and Rodgers at some point. I mean, I guess that's true, yeah. Um, I think I think he could get to a point where, again, if, if this really starts to take off with the, with the running stuff, I think if the Bears play their cards right, they can get him to a level where he's like a Lamar and he's a guy who is competing to win MVPs and – you know, I, I I get that it's only been three weeks, but you see you see the potential the flashes, there. Yeah. Just the way again, the way he moves in the open field, you see that if he can unlock it, he there's something special. I love how we talk about comparing him to Lamar, but we just don't compare him to Jalen Hurts, who does the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, or so. I just Cam Newton would be even a better comp because of the size. Cam, well, Cam was like what six five or yeah, something, two forty. What six, maybe six two, six three. I yeah, think. six three is like two twenty. But I mean, talk about physical. I mean, Cam was that guy, but. Yep. I, Justin Fields, he could be that guy, but he's got to get the passing down. The rushing is already there, but if he could become a better passer, then we could be talking about a different ball game. Well, I, th- I think that's all the um, overreactions we've got, really. I mean, you know, could we say that? Do we think? I, do I, we, do I have one think, more, if if you want to throw in. That. I was gonna say, do we think the Bucks are done? Mm. Are they done this year? How about how about this? Here's an even better one: Are the Rams toast? I do think that the Rams are toast, yeah. Just because that defense has not looked that good. Mm-hmm. Stafford has clearly regressed. Cup's still great, but, I mean, Sean McVay, I don't know if it's the play calling or if it's Stafford not being able to do much, but that whole team just looks lost. They don't even have a run game. Cam Akers doesn't want to play for them anymore. I think the Bucks are actually going to be okay because the division is so bad. They might end up winning that division and making the playoffs. So, you know, I think I think the Rams are kind of – Unfortunate in that sense that their division is actually doing and they're having it down here. Well, my overreaction Tuesday was going to be, are the Colts the worst team in the league? No. Who do you think's worse than Houston. them? Houston. You think Houston? Houston's they're competitive in games. They now. okay. They played well against the Eagles. Yeah, I was going to say. I I think they're worse than the Colts. Really? I wow. Think, I, don't think I think on paper they're worse, but I think, I think the that they fight a little bad. harder. Yeah. Maybe Carolina. Carolina, I don't know. They they almost beat Atlanta the other day. Falcons aren't that good. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Falcons aren't that good. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. There's 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 a couple teams I could think of that are worse, but yeah, that's all I've got for Overreaction Tuesday. <laughs> all right, uh, I think that's where we're gonna wrap it up. This has been the Third and Lawn Football Podcast here on RowanRadio.com Channel Two. We'll uh, be coming out with new episodes every Tuesday, so uh, be sure to um. Check the uh, the Podbean and uh, Spotify, um, wherever you get your podcasts. We are going to be on there. I've been your host, Aaron Hook, along with my fantastic co-host, Mr. Nick Carlson, across the desk from me. This has been Third and Long. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. You have been listening to Third and Long with your hosts, Aaron Hook and Nick Carlson. Make sure to tune in weekly for new episodes. You can find Third and Long in every Rowan Radio sports podcast by searching Rowan Radio On Demand Sports wherever you find your podcasts.